Yeah, this is a little different. <laughs> Please bear with me while I'm in recovery mode. Um, you know, I have a confession to make to all of you. I am a plant killer. That's right. I kill plants. Not intentionally, just I think out of total ignorance. And we don't have a lot of house plants. In fact, we have one house plant. I never can tell by the leaves, by the soil, by anything else. Does it need water? Does it have too much water? What is it doing? They die. They just simply die. Did it need more sunlight? Did it need less sunlight? The leaves fall off. They die. So I'm going to show you a picture of the only plant, house plant, that we have in our house. There it is. That's it. It's called an air plant. Yeah. What you do is once a week, you take those spindly little, little things and you put them in a cup of water and you let their little root ball soak up water for several hours. Then you put them back in that and guess what? They're good for a week. Don't have to worry. Doesn't die. I'm telling you, it's the plant for me. You know, it's interesting if you talk about plant life. There's a word that's called transpiration. Transpiration in a plant is the process of water coming into the roots and moving through the plants to the leaves for evaporation. Interesting because 99% of all the moisture that a plant gets comes through its root system. Did you know that? Not much comes through the leaves. You know, you see people misting leaves and you think when it rains outside and it's getting water but only about 1% can come through a leaf, and that water that comes through the leaf cannot sustain the plant's life. In fact, a lot of times, if it's too much water or depending on circumstances, things from the outside to the foliage, to the leaf, can cause disease, can cause fungus, can cause all sorts of things. But if that's all that the plant gets, the plant will die without moisture from its roots. Why do I say that? Well, we're in this series called Weepers to Leapers, and I want to talk today about the next fruit of the Spirit. And let's look at that slide and say it together on the screen. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Obviously, today, based on the slide, we're going to talk about joy. You know, joy is something different than another word that we often use with it and we interchange it in our world. And I think because of that, we really don't realize what joy is. It's the word happiness. Happiness is something that has to do with circumstances from the outside, much like moisture on the leaf. It's not something that can sustain us. In fact, I think that's why our founding fathers have the word pursuit of happiness is one of our certain inalienable rights. It is a pursuit, a pursuit that would be lifelong, a pursuit that once you think you have grabbed happiness, the pursuit continues because it's elusive. Happiness is something that we think we can gain from things around us, things that we maintain in our lives, but it is so much different than joy. You know, happiness is the mantra of our world today. Whatever makes you happy, you hear someone say, then I affirm you in that, as long as you are happy. No, it doesn't have to be something good, it could be something totally bad, but if you're happy, then I'm happy for you. What we're really saying 
is that what I want is happiness, and I want you to make me happy. If you won't make me happy, if you won't go along with what I've defined as happiness, then I have nothing to do with you. I don't need you in my life. You're not fulfilling my goal of being happy. But as I said, happiness and joy are two totally different things. Joy is something that comes from within, from deep within, like the moisture from the roots that feeds the plant. It does not come from outside. In fact, joy is a gift that comes to us. It is not something that we possess. I want you to hear something that was written over a hundred years ago by the playwright George Bernard Shaw. He writes this as he talks about joy. He said, this is the true joy in life. The being used for a purpose, recognized by yourself as a mighty one. The being thoroughly worn out before you are thrown on the scrap heap and being a force of nature. Instead of a feverish, selfish, little clod of ailments and grievances, complaining that the world will not devote itself to making you happy. Isn't that interesting? A hundred years ago, it looks like the problem was no different than it is today. People are still screaming and whining in our world that the world owes them happiness, that you owe them happiness, that everything owes them happiness, and they whine and scream and grieve about it. But that is not joy. As I said, joy is something that comes from deep within. Joy is something that is constant in our life. Joy is something that is a gift of the Holy Spirit. As we look at this, the fruit of the Spirit is joy given to us through our connection to the vine Jesus Christ, in whom all of our life-giving water flows into us. It cannot come into us from the outside as we are foliage attached to that vine. We cannot sustain that life. Only that connection to Jesus Christ can, can sustain it. So what does joy look like versus happiness? I think we all know what happiness, I mean, isn't that, of course, the goal in advertising every time something's on TV? Buy this product, use this product, go on this vacation, have this, have that. It will make you happy. It's all about accumulation and stuff and outward appearance and everything from the outside of the plant, but nothing from within. What does real joy look like, and how do we hold on to that? Well, I want to read you something by Max Lucado. Max Lucado met a man, another brother, by the name of Robert Reed, and he describes Robert's life. Robert has cerebral palsy, and this is what Max says about Robert as he describes him. Robert's hands and feet are useless. He can't bathe himself, he can't feed himself, he can't brush his teeth, he can't brush his hair, he can't dress himself. His clothes are held on by strips of Velcro which keep them there. His speech when he talks is like listening to someone's voice that is played at too slow of a speed in somewhat of a monotone. Robert still, though, declares to everyone he meets, I have everything I need 
for joy. Robert can't drive. Robert can't walk. He can't ride a bike. Yet Robert graduated from high school. Robert graduated from college, all with people taking him there, helping him, getting him through it. In fact, Robert went on to teach at several junior colleges across our nation. Robert has been on five mission trips. Robert, on his own, decided that he would be a missionary in Portugal. So he called and got a hotel room that he rented. He moved there on his own. He found a restaurant owner who was willing to feed him after the rush was over and to work on speech-speaking Portuguese with him so he could learn it and witness of his faith in that land. Robert speaks at different places. He has to be carried in his wheelchair to the platform. He sits in that wheelchair with a Bible and his gnarled hands force back those delicate pages of holy writ as he begins to read that. Robert raises his fist and says, I have everything I need for joy. People wipe tears away from their face as they hear Robert speak about that joy. How do we have that kind of joy? You know, in our world, those outward circumstances that Robert has to deal with, any of us would be unhappy, would be miserable, but would be, as Shaw said, whining little clods, complaining that things aren't right in our life and how we have been mistreated. Yet Robert says, I have everything I need for joy. You know, I think in this series that we are in, the fruit of the Spirit, weepers to leapers, if we simply brush over these gifts of the Spirit, of the fruit that He bears in us and say, yeah, it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and we don't talk about what it means and how we can have and bear this, I think we're missing something. Joy is something that lasts, as I said. It is something that is deep within. It is not superficial. And it comes through one single source, being connected to the vine, being connected to Jesus Christ, and having his life flow in us. How does that happen for us? It's by being deep in the word. Not just playing at being Christ followers, but understanding that if we want that kind of joy, the kind of joy that Robert has in his life. We need to be fed from within. We need to be fed from the word that binds us to the one who gave his life for us. How do we have that kind of joy? How can Isaiah say to Israel, to a nation in exile, whose outward circumstances give them nothing to rejoice about, but in that day you will praise the Lord. And in that day you will draw water from the well of salvation with joy. And you will say, great is the Holy One of Israel in our midst. You see, that's the secret of joy. It's looking beyond the circumstance. It's looking beyond the outward, the things that we call happiness and understanding the depth and the connection of what we truly have and what a gift it is to be connected to Jesus Christ through our baptism. Paul says to the Thessalonians, you are our crown and our joy. You, the people who are connected to Jesus Christ, who have heard the message of the gospel, 
who have let it grow deep within, who it now is flourishing and growing because of the work of the Spirit. It's not something that's just touched on momentarily in our lives when we need it. Oh, now today I need joy. It's something that has to come from the very life force itself that we have been attached to. You know, Jesus tells his disciples in our gospel today, in a circumstance that wasn't joyful, it's the night he was betrayed, the night that he was going to be handed over to sinners, to be tried, to be beaten, to be whipped, and to eventually be crucified. He tells them that the time is coming when they will have sorrow, but the world, the world will rejoice at this because they will have think they have killed the one who came, the Messiah. And yet Jesus says, in a little while, realize, you will see me and your joy will be complete. Ask the Father in my name so that that joy will happen. Ask for this connection to Jesus Christ to grow in our lives. Ask that he move and that you would see him again because he has given us this gift as he did that night in the Last Supper. He gave us the gift where we could see and touch him and have his life flow in us through Holy Communion. These are not just superficial things from the outsides of our lives. They are things that move deep within us through the power of the Spirit to flow and to have that water. As Jesus said, anyone who thirsts, let him come to me, and out of him will flow streams of living water. You see, this is the life we live as Christians. Joy that is founded not in the outward circumstances of our lives, but joy that is founded in something far beyond ourselves, greater than ourselves. It's founded in Jesus Christ and what he did for you and me on the cross. The book of Hebrews says of Jesus, who endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. You know, we can think about the cross and we can think of all the circumstances in life. That's not one that would bring joy. Yet Jesus looked beyond the cross, beyond the suffering, beyond what it meant he would have to endure, to see beyond it the joy that it would mean that because of the cross, you and I would be forever forgiven. We would be children of God. We would be brought back to the Father in fellowship with him. That was the joy that sustained him and moved him forward to that cross. That is the joy that you and I can have through the gift of the Spirit, through the fruit we are able to bear by being connected deeply in that word. Not just a skim, but letting that word, as the scriptures say, dwell in us richly that it might overflow and bear fruit. What a gift we have been given. You see, the joy that Robert Reed has is the joy that you and I can have in every circumstance of life. Not that the circumstances are going to be pleasant, not that they're not going to be hard, not that they're not going to be devastating, but they're circumstances. And as Jesus said, nothing can take away our joy because it's founded in him. 
Our joy looks beyond the circumstances. Our joy looks to the future. Our joy looks to the day when we too will see face to face the one who died to redeem us. And that is the joy in the midst of the storm that sustains us and is in us. Will you pray with me? Jesus, you came that we might have this gift of the Spirit, this gift of joy that could well up inside of us when all around us seems bleak. Forgive us when we have pursued simple happiness and have played at being followers of yours, thinking that you came to make us happy. Lord, our life is to glorify you and to glorify you through the joy we have received because of what you have done for us on the cross. May we always hold fast to that word. May we be filled by your gifts and remember our baptism and let your riches flow through us to sustain that joy that comes from being connected to you. And may that joy shine in us, Lord, in all moments of our lives until it is complete in your presence. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.